I'm talking about Lauren as a religious rhetor, right? Like in the same way that people are preachers. So in, in that part, I'm talking about her and Dr. Ebony Marshall Terman about her preaching. Story of Hagar, an African slave woman. Hagar reminds us that in the desert, it is only God who shows us where the water is. And how Lauren, right? How they're both evoking salvation. I don't have a an American dream. I have a dream because my dream relates to the entire world. You know, and to be honest with you, I mean, that is that the entire world, you know, find have salvation. That the entire world have joy. That the entire world know God and have peace and have his rest and his happiness. You know, for me to limit that and say that that's an American dream, that would be far too limiting. That's a, a dream for this entire world. That's their goal is for us to have liberation and freedom. And that's what they're preaching from the pulpit. In both male-dominated spaces, we don't talk about women preaching, but black women aren't even allowed to preach. You know, we ask ourselves, you know, how come these things haven't been around or why was this thing not invented? There was a reason. There, there were forces that were set up to prevent, you know, certain patterns of evolution, certain patterns of development, right? All this this, this, this street hustle, right, it, it, it would have dominated if it really had, you know, access early on which is why it was suppressed, you know what I mean? Which, which is why it was met with resistance. But we have the ability now to see the resistance, acknowledge it for what it is, and go beyond it and go past it. I'm Crystal Roberts. I'm Matt Linder. This is Flickers. is about freedom. How to say get free. Free mind. The spirit of freedom. The theme of liberation and freedom has always been in Lauren's music. Early on, those themes were more descriptive and also prescriptive. But by the time we got to the Unplugged album, those themes became her reality. She had taken her liberation into her own hands and proved to be both defiant and intent on establishing her personal freedom, while at the same time summoning us to do the same. My husband's brother came by the house to visit us one day. Brother Ziggy, and he, he, was, uh, he was talking about a song of his called I Get Out. And uh, uh, it was so powerful, the concept and, and what it meant to to me, you know, and what it meant for me. He just said that phrase. He said, I get out. And he said, I get out of all your boxes. And immediately, I just said, that's it, man. That's it right there. And the next day, you know, I got in the shower. And while I was in the shower, about three verses and a hook and all this stuff just came. Put in a box for you. I get out. I get out. I get, I get out. I get out. I Get Out is actually one of my favorite songs on the Unplugged album because it was just so definitive. It was a declaration of what was to come, right? She's saying, I get out, and she got out. 
I remember listening, thinking like, damn, I want out too. I was hyped. <laughs> I was most though, I guess, inspired by her saying, if everything must go, then go. That's how I choose to live. If everything must go, then go. That's how I choose to live. And I think that statement in and of itself was like, she was willing to make the ultimate sacrifice for freedom to be whoever she wanted to be at that time mm. and to also be free from the constraints um, that was placed on her artistry. So for me, that was just inspiring. Um, I literally told a friend that like, oh, if everything really? must go, then go. Like okay. I, I got <laughs> on the same, I got on the same vibe as her. So <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, it was really, it was really cool, you know, and I always found her using um, the word boxes to be very powerful because usually boxes are constructed by others. I mean, sometimes we will construct mm. them ourselves, but in her case, right. she at least expressed that those boxes were constructed by someone else and it's usually for the benefit of others. And it was just simple. Everybody can think of a box and understand what that means. Um, so I really thought it was powerful, but it was just a perfect imagery um, for what has to happen to get free, which I understood to mean to be whole and to be complete. And to me, like that signifies freedom. Yeah, totally. And as you're speaking about the box there, she talks about just completely destroying this box and how she's going to surrender herself to God's will, where she has that line where she says, I don't respect your system. I won't protect mm. your system. Yeah. When you talk, I don't listen. Oh, let my father's will be done. I don't respect your system. I won't protect your system. When you talk, I don't listen. Oh, let my father's will be done. And just Which is powerful. It's just like, I'm turning down this whole system that I've been given. It hip hop being a woman in hip hop, being a woman in the world. All that I've experienced as a black woman in the United States, like in capitalism and every system and ism that's out there, she's saying no to. And she's like, I'm turning it all down and I'm surrendering myself to God's will instead. And she even like this song like starts out, she frames it as this spiritual battle. She says, Father, free me from this bondage. For her, again, it's all about love. She says, you say love, then abuse me. You just want to use me. You say love, then abuse me. You never thought you'd lose me. But she knows that's all the foundational thing is love. But the situation she's gone through, the world she's experienced, Outside of the loving home that she came in uh, and when she went into the world, she just saw the abuse again from others. Not only is she speaking about like getting free of this box and fighting this spiritual battle of these systems, these systems that are boxes, even with the whole unplugged performance, she's like breaking down the boxes of what an unplugged performance on MTV is like because you expect... All the other ones were like, oh, this is music from my other albums. And this is like, these are all brand new songs. These are just songs with just me and a guitar and I'm going to mess up. And that's okay. 
and she does mess up. Like right in the middle, this is like of her mistakes. You could say this is like her worst mistake of the song. She like flubs up. She forgets the lyrics. She forgets the chord she's playing. (laughs) Okay, we're getting there. At least I had a chunk. And then she rolls back in the song and gets through it. No more compromises. I see past your disguises. But even that is like, I'm no longer beholden to this perfection that you've wanted of me. I'm laying it all out there. You get to see all of me mistakes and all. And that's another way she's just breaking out of that box too. Absolutely. You know, the quotes from the lyrics that you just quoted, it just brought to mind that this song encapsulates what she mentioned earlier on in the album when she said every song is about problem, cause, and solution. And that's what all of these songs are about, is problem, cause, and solution. Free your mind. And this one song gave us all of those things. You know, she named all of the systems from the political system to the social systems, the ones that were that are the problem. And she talks about the causes, you know, the lies, the manipulation and those sorts of things. And then the solution is get out, Mm. get out. And up until that, up until that song, we had heard her talking about what she needed, like her solution. And that was obviously to return to God and to return to herself, which I think Mm. empowers her to get out of all those boxes. Amen. We're going to take a look back and see how she got to this place of I Get Out by exploring individual songs and starting with her only studio solo album, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Here's Cheryl Kirk Dugan. When you look at her work, then you have to deal with what does it mean to be a human being? So what is the ontology there? And also, what is the existential element? What does it mean to exist and to be active? In addition to that, she really wants to press everybody to think critically and to engage music in all of your life as a whole, rather than be a fragmented person. From an ecological standpoint, she thinks about the larger world and wonders in what point what happened to her own passion within her life and for things that matter. And that's another really healthy component of her understanding of freedom is that she has the freedom to critique herself as she admits when she's fallen and when she's failed from her own standards. And in the past, she's experienced times where she maximized her potential, where she was the best, and where in community, she comes from a perspective of anthropological theology. In other words, yes, we are in conversation at all times with God. God is in conversation with us, and we have to be responsible for our part. So you can never sort of disassociate yourself from responsibility. So again, it goes back to her ethics of four. She knows the God within as an individuated self. So she always wants us to be in community at the same time. You have to know who you are, whose you are, how you function, what your responsibility. And one should never succumb to the thoughts of everyone else or to being, shall we say, smothered by society. 
And for herself, she has to respond and engage in a sense of self-actualization. We have so many of the answers. We have the technology. We have the wealth. We just have to be willing to share it. And in order for us to do that, we have to do the work in and on ourselves so that we can be conduits of change and improvement for other people. Because that's really what it's about. We have the ability. We have to be in a position where we're willing to do that for others because we're so confident in our own abilities, in our own grace, in our own blessings that we can actually pass knowledge and information on to others. And therefore, the answer to miseducation for her is a heightened level of awareness and the reality that she can define her own destiny. And that's all the way through the music. Therefore, she would say that everyone is responsible and accountable for their situation. She lives her own rhetoric and says, as she traveled about the world, she came to realize that what distinguishes one child from another, and this is from one of her quotes, is not an ability, but access. She says access to education, access to opportunity, access to love. That before I became a recording artist, made music videos or performed on stage one. I was raised by parents who loved me and who instilled in me a great love for education. Those being loved and loving to learn were the tools that would help to facilitate everything else. Drive is a key component. Passion is also a major foundational component if you want to be able to help design your own path. And with these, education and a love for learning are essential. And so she has this thing called the Refugee Project where she created social programs for young people to provide access to opportunities where they might not have them otherwise. And so she's very, very clear about access. Lost ones. You know, I'm trying to broaden hip-hop parameters, you know what I mean? I'm trying to, you know, allow us to be more sensitive and talk about real issues and, you know, express our, our, our feelings about relationships in a realistic sense as opposed to a material or, or, you know, a monetary way. I put on Miseducation. This is Eric House. And Lost Ones came on. When I, when I first heard the, I, I forgot about the... You know, like the, the initial, like, boom, bap. I was like... Oh, yeah, I like this song. And then, like, when I heard the words, this is exactly what I need to write about. This is it. Because I, I was at a space where I was committed to studying hip-hop for, like, my dissertation. I, I wanted to think about ways in which we can use hip-hop as this force to study the complexities of language and the complexities of writing. Shout out to a, a lot of my professors at U of A who were heavy in emphasizing uh, Black women and, and Indigenous and women of color feminisms to really ask us to rethink about the ways in which oppression is like these interlocking systems, right? Initially, a thing I was always working through was like, how do we call out like the inherent misogyny in hip hop? I, I love hip hop. I love R&B. But I feel like a lot of times people say like, and this is coming from a lot of my family members, women love R&B, men love hip hop. And I'm like, but I love R&B and I like, and I like hip hop too. So like, what, what are we saying? And women don't rap. What are y'all, what are y'all talking about? Ask a female MC who they are influenced by. Every single one of them is going to say Lauryn Hill. She was so genuine, so true to herself. 
Wow, Lauren Hill, my, 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 my. Lauren Hill is in her own category when it comes to female rappers. And when you listen to what she's talking about, which is why the miseducation of Lauren Hill, I think, was just so big, those are female issues. Those are things that go through women's heads on a daily basis. Here's another woman that's speaking out to you, speaking for you, speaking about you, and those are the things that you gravitate to. And so, and so it's, it's trying trying to kind of uh, reconcile these very gender dynamics that a lot of people place on Black music specifically. My advisor put me on to the work of a scholar in my field named Gwendolyn Pugh, who she has a book called Check It While I Wreck It. And then there's visiting family in the Caribbean on vacations where hip hop also traveled. And hip hop specifically in those um, geographic spaces always marked our culture as youth culture. You know, this was ours, whereas Calypso and reggae was our, our grown folks music. And she's basically making an argument about how black women have historically used hip hop to speak back and to recreate the public image for themselves. And so it's, it's a very dope piece where she's like talking about how we've been doing this forever. I mean, misogyny exists, but, but we historically have been a part. We've been with hip hop since the beginning and we've always found spaces to speak truth to our own existences so that we can kind of control our own public image and, and location. And so after reading that, I think Lost Ones was, it's just, kind of came together the way that I was like, oh, I, this is the song I need to write about because the message is like, you might play some of them, but not this one. I'm, I'm going to stand here. I'm going to reclaim what's mine. I'm not giving you credit for who I am. I, this is me. This is Lauren Hill. It's funny how money changes situation. Miscommunication leads to complication. My emancipation don't fit your equation. I was on the humble you on every station. Someone play young Lauren like she done. But remember not to game the one of the sun. Everything you did has already been done. Once again, it's a story about Wyclef, but it's also like reflecting the larger hip hop imaginary, which both myself and my advisor, that's why we wrote the piece we thought was very important to say. And my thing was like, she was doing it in hip hop language. You know, you had the boom bap to start right away. You had the guitar riff that goes every now and then that emphasizes what she's saying at the end of each line. As far as justice and freedom is concerned, I think the justice is speaking back and giving voice to her existence. If there are these stories in these, this album came out pre-social media, right? So if there, if there are these narratives and these stories coming out and both of these people are very prominent in music, like that the Fugees are, were, were we're pretty big, right? If, if there's these narratives going on, like especially that this is the first song on the, on the album, like this is called the miseducation. And when we think of miseducation, we think of like unlearning and there's like recent conversations about decoloniality and how we're trying to like re reclaim the knowledges and ex existences and experiences that so many forces have been trying to strip away. So this is the first track on miseducation where the first thing she's doing is saying like, I'm, I'm done with you. You know what I'm saying? You cannot claim any like power over what I'm doing. When she was wronged, now how she described herself as being wronged in the story, I think the justice is her saying like, now this is my album and this is how I'm starting it. I'm starting it by saying that this is my new wave. The miseducation of Lauren Hill is, uh, you know, uh, <clears throat> at first it kind of throws people, you know what I mean? Because they automatically think it's about me. Um, being miseducated, but miseducation is actually, it's like a, a metaphor for actually being re-educated, um, unlearning some bad things, you know what I mean, some things that I may have um, perceived to be the truth, you know what I mean, that actually weren't. Um, 
it really has a lot to do with personal evolution and personal growth and really understanding that there are things that society teach us which are like general pieces of information you know just for the general public and there are things that are extremely important for us to individually learn you know what i'm saying um just as far as just personal relationships personal relationships with other people personal relationships with god you know just the way in which we should live our lives this is where lauren is now you might win some but you just lost one like you might win some i think is, is recognizing that this sort of behavior like, as far as like hyper masculinity and misogyny might still happen in hip-hop this one knows better. This one is going to stand up in her own existence and she's going to speak on it. That's the justice. And that, that leads to the freedom too, because I think that to me, freedom means agency, which is to say freedom means you have the capacity to speak towards, read towards, and write towards your own existence and experiences. And so I think that's why it's so important that that's how it started is to say like, one, I'm calling out the wrongs you did to me, but the freedom is now this is my space. This is my album. This is my miseducation. So I'm taking back all the stuff that was taught to me, that all the lies have been told to me. I tell you, you no know, big shots in reality, y'all. We all in the same boat, dealing with the same issues, same problems, same stuff. Don't even buy it. All the perpetration, you know, all this. Well, you know, uh, we don't have problems. That's a lie. That's a lie. You know, I know that the enemy is doing the same thing to me that he's doing to everybody else. And um, I just know now that the only way to get out is through confrontation, see? We always thought it was retreat, you know? Run away, and I'm telling you, you gotta be funny. So I think that's how we kind of conceptualized of both freedom and justice in that piece is, in, in a lot of ways, Lauren Hill, to me, and that's the, the way I read that song and listen to that song, She she's meta- standing in metaphorically for Black women in the space of hip-hop and how a very powerful act is the call out, speak back, speak towards a new existence within the space of hip hop and doing it in ways that's very dope. You just lost one. What's a bomb bomb? <laughs> final hour. I think of like the final hour. This is Alex Nava. She's saying, keep your eyes on the final hour. But she's also got one of my favorite lines in there because, again, somebody who's sympathetic to the tradition of liberation and Black theology, where she's got a line in there that I'm about to change the focus from the richest to the brokest. I love that because she's saying, like, our society is obsessed we admire the rich and the powerful. And in capitalist societies, we admire people who are just uh, uh, the wealthy. And I think part of the brilliance of hip hop is to shift our attention to the disenfranchised, to the marginalized, to people in the barrios and the ghettos, people that aren't represented by mainstream society and, and media. I love that in the 90s where she's like, we need to change the focus. Like, bad boy hit focusing on the rich and nice cars and the clothing and the riches and, and the bling. These Black folks found this incredible music, you know, that comes from a, a place of expression and how it gets co-opted and commercialized and compromised and, you know, and, and bitten and um, appropriated and taken. And, you know, I... I 
My struggle has always been to sort of prevent that from happening, sort of maintain the soul in everything that I could possibly do. The reason why hip hop had such a strong voice was because, you know, it was a defiant message for a while. You know, it was basically the voice of the voiceless. Once you become sort of, you know, the voice of the corporate, you know, you become a different creature. But she's like, we need to look at, listen to the voices of the dispossessed, of the poor, of the needy, of the widows, the orphans, you know, she's got that. And that's where, of course, that aspect of miseducation connects to a long tradition of Black history that is concerned with the plight of the, the dispossessed. Let me tell you why I don't really shout back. You know why? I, because I know that my brothers and my sisters are oftentimes pawns in a bigger scheme. So when they, under pressure, attack me, I love them still. Because I know what they're doing. It's called the high road. Try taking it sometime. The high road. The high road. I'm, 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 not, I'm not going to play my hand like this oppressive system would have me play my hand. Because I know the oppression that took place in Haiti and Jamaica and America and Africa and Europe. My interest is in Latin American and African American religious traditions. So my first book was on Gustavo Gutierrez, famous liberation theologian, a theology of liberation. I was used to being a minority when I was in Cuba because it had nothing to do with uh, race, anything like that. It had to do with religion. And then when I came to this country and I found out that I also was a minority now in another sense, uh, I, I could somehow transfer that and be able to say, well, <laughs> this is who I am and, uh, and I can claim that. So we're living in a time where I think people are wanting to recover that. In fact, Another example of this is that for a period of time, I would say the late 90s and the early 2000s, the concept of liberation became played out. Like, liberation is done. Like, it's, it wasn't a popular theme. In fact, you could probably do a study at this of looking at the term liberation. And it's starting to, it's come back. For a while, it was, there was a feeling that it had its day, liberation, the 60s and 70s were, even parts of the 80s were aspect people were appealing to liberation, but it's done. It's, it's exhausted. It's tired. And I think that it suddenly made a comeback. Again, I think Kendrick Lamar's influence, I think his mixtapes were coming out around 2010, 2011. I think Section 80 was around that, 2011. And then his remarkable rise, I mean, kind of bringing that spirit back. 
As I hope in this book and then burn up some of this reef for my plan is to figure out the world and escape all my demons I'm dying inside, I wonder if Zion inside the heavens A condom, a rolly chain, a fat blunt and a Mac 11 It's all I see in my life and they tell me to make it right But I'm right on the edge of Everest and I might jump the night Have you ever had known a saint that was taken? And then of course, again, the rise of matter And everything that's transpired since the death of George Floyd So obviously this is a song about confrontation Victims of violence, both psyche and body, life out of context is... I used to love him. I think that her emphasis in general, again, from something like Lost Ones, the, the whole idea of just the concept of emancipation as a Black woman is revolution in itself. That really she's really kind of putting herself forth in miseducation as a gifted MC as somebody to be taken serious as a lyricist, as as a poet, as a singer, as an artist. You know, this this thing, we term it hustle, but it's really just the ingenuity necessary to survive, you know, and navigate in the world. We call it hustle because um, I imagine that's just, you know, our way of giving it a name because sometimes we want to divorce ourselves from from the academic space because that academic space was a source of brutality and hostility for a long time. But the reality of it is, still, of it is, is it's still wisdom, it's still knowledge, it's still invention, it's still development, you know, and it's still progress. So I think as we kind of pull back these labels, we can acknowledge brilliance in the streets, we can acknowledge soul in the academic space, and we can allow these things to come together. She's talking about the question of love in particular, or I used to love him. One of those where she really is talking about the, the experience of love and in, and in particular, the line is that I'm not just some foolish man's Father, wife. You saved me. And you showed me that life was much more than It's clear that she's kind of like has that strong sensibility of strong, like feminist self-awareness. I mean, she was, of course, beautiful at the same time. Joan Morgan makes makes that point is that she has very strong consciousness, a strong feminine consciousness, but also celebrates her feminine beauty. And the way she dressed in many of the videos, it wasn't like sexualizing her. So it was different than other MCs at, at the time where 
you know, she refused to, like, obviously the word, you know, the dramatic difference of somebody like little Kim who really sold herself so much of her sexuality. Between my CO, open up cell block eight. She was different from that, but nevertheless, feminine and beautiful, but again, with an edge to, to him. I think a lot of that, even in those moments where she's talking about the experience of love, of not just being a foolish man's wife, that she's clearly kind of expressing a very a strong opinion of self-awareness and self-confidence. They say, uh, I don't like this new expression. And I say, well, what, you want two-thirds of me to stay outside? <laughs> I'm a whole person. You can't say, you know, two-thirds of Lauren come in here. Only two-thirds is acceptable. I'm a whole person, you know. And that's everybody. We always talk about spiritual warfare. We didn't realize it was, it was within relationships. It's emotional warfare. Being able to tell the people we love the most the truth about ourselves. And when they say, hey, that doesn't fit into our box for you, and we say, well, I, I ain't in no box. Old Jerusalem and Freedom Time. I would say twofold. It was things of justice and you had some maybe themes of, of spirituality and whatnot. This is Otis Lambert. Old Jerusalem, you know. That's definitely one that um, had a lot of spiritual themes and whatnot in it. You know, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? Can I even factor that I've been an actor? Like, it's almost like recognizing, again, speaking about how she had to get away from the game and whatnot, kind of recognizing that maybe who she was was just a, I don't want to use the word front, but, you know, I imagine the industry has to be a burden. It's so much glitz and glamour and whatnot. And when you're someone like her, you know, who had to kind of step away and now you take a look at your former self. Maybe you do recognize that, you know, that which you were was more so along the lines of just a, a fake aid or some sense of falsity in who you were and now who you're trying to be. I had created this uh, public persona, this public illusion, and it became it, it held me hostage. Like I couldn't be a real person because you're too afraid of, you know, of what your your public will say. And at that point, I just had I had to do some dying and really accept the fact that, look, this is who I am. And I have to be who I am. And all of us have a right to be who we are. And whenever we submit our will, because our will is a gift, it's, it's given to us. Whenever we submit our will to someone else's opinion, you know, I mean, a part of us dies. So I thought about freedom and justice and the love. I came up with a lot of A words. Cheryl Kirk Dugan. Well, I would argue listening at especially miseducation and her song to Zion and also our freedom within 
that for him, freedom means an experience of agency, authenticity, autonomy, and one's own authority. So agency, I can speak for myself. I can do for myself. Authenticity, I'm going to be the real me, the me who God created. It's not that I strive to be a positive role model, but I just strive to be myself. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not really doing this to please anyone but God, you know? And um, sometimes, you know, when you choose a side, particularly God's side, you automatically will have enemies. You know, you automatically have opponents, people who would rather see you fall and rise, you know? So you have to be careful. Autonomy, I am family, because family is very important to her. At the same time, I'm an individual and authority that she has certain power. So for example, in her song, Freedom Time, she offers a clarion call for freedom from a conflicted, imprisoned mind, imprisoned to lies, deception, and guilt. There's a war in the mind over territory for the dominion who will dominate the opinion, schisms and isms, keeping us in forms of religion, conforming our vision to the world church's decision, trapped in a section, submitted to committee election, moral infection, epidemic lies and deception, insurrection. She understands that everything originates in our thoughts, and then we create our feelings. And many times in society, people think we feel something, then we think about it. And no, she would argue, and I've seen in several other places, and say we think, and after we have that thought, then we feel so bad, think, oh, I feel bad, or oh, I think I'm not good or depressed. Then the feelings of feeling bad or depression or guilt come about. She understands that everything originates in our thoughts, and then we create our feelings. Kiel would also argue that biased ideologies and fragmentation cause us to adapt and therefore conform to religious thought and moral infection and lies resulted in a pandemic of global systemic depraved distortion. I mean, when I was listening, it sounded like she could have written that in the middle of COVID. It's that, well, that is what's been fascinating to me, how timeless these songs are. I mean, what, we talk about late 90s? So all the time, again, see, this is where freedom is connected to what does it mean to be created in God's image? What does it mean to be an authentic person? And she then says that the delusion creates deceit, incompletion, and desperation that requires a purging of the heart. Bitter than Cersei, hungry and thirsty for good meat, we would eat and still dine at the table of deceit. How incomplete. And so many people would say, when she talks about deceit and incompletion and desperation, you saw that manifested in the insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th. That is exactly what that was. Fear-based deceit. Run them up. That's what it was. Okay, where else is she going? Oh, we need to go to the Hebrew Bible, Old Testament, look at Ecclesiastes. Because the Ecclesiastes says vanity, everything is vanity. And so Lauren is saying that vanity leads to insanity. And such insanity violates love. And when we do not repent 
There is no remission or forgiveness. So there and again, there's a sense of Christianity. Mother of human history, system of social sorcery. Our present condition needs serious recognition. Where there's no repentance, there can be no remission. And that sentence more serious than Vietnam, the atom bomb in Saddam and Minister Farrakhan. What's going we have on? to confess. We have to forgive. And then I would argue, she would say, you have to live out that forgiveness by your acts. So you can't just talk with talk and you have to walk the walk as it were. And she goes further to say, all is damned if we are not in line with creation, with God and human freedom. So we can stand in agreement with his command. Everything else is damned. Let them with ears understand. <laughs> Everything else is damned. Let them with ears understand. Now, for love, she would say love is about, again, my A words, affirmation, admiration, and appreciation. So when you look, think about from this education and other songs, she affirms humanity. She affirms herself, her parents. When you look at her life, she's always affirming people. Remember, we receive what we put out. What you do for others, you in essence do for yourselves. Likewise, what you have not mastered doing for yourself, you will be challenged to do for others. Therefore, love yourselves, care for yourselves, Invest in yourselves and be kind to yourselves so that you might be able to be channels and instruments of love, care, kindness, and investment in others. She appreciates who they are. And even when she's at her lowest, even when she feels betrayed, she affirms or loves herself and is very grateful. So I'd also add gratitude. I'd have to find an A word for gratitude. That's also, you know, very much a part of her sense of love. Now I realize that this song is about freedom. You see, we, we could look at, uh, you know, one human being, but it's about the spirit of freedom being taken out and how it's taken out in all of us, you know. And this, this song is called I, I Find, find it, it Hard to Say That Everything is All Right Flickers is produced, edited, and scripted by me, Crystal Roberts, and me, Matt Linder. Engineering, mixing, and sound design by Matt Linder. Theme music by Julius Tunstall. Cover art by Paper Hat Prayers. Additional music from FND Guitar, Venus Beats, Broke Boy, Beats by Hope, and Apple Ciotti. Hit that share button on your podcast listening app and share this episode on Instagram stories and tell your followers what you loved about it. Be sure to tag at the Flickers pod. We want to know what Lauren's song personally impacted you the most. Go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, our good pods. And in a review, let us know. We'll be back next week with Babylon System. Thanks for listening. Bye. His life's so incomplete. Too comfortable to face it
See you.